0: This is the chorus call conference operator. Welcome to Vesema Network's third quarter fiscal year 2020 results conference call and webcast. As a reminder, all participants are in listen only mode and the conference is being recorded. After the presentation, there will be an opportunity to ask questions. Analysts and institutional investors who wish to join the question queue, simply press star and one on your touch tone phone you will hear a tone acknowledging your request. If you are using a speakerphone, please lift the handset before pressing any keys. Should anyone need assistance during the conference call, they may signal an operator by pressing star and zero on their telephone. Presenting today on behalf of Vesma Network are Sumit Kumar, President and CEO, and Dale Booth, Chief Financial Officer. Today's call will begin with executive commentary on Vesemma's financial and operational performance for the third quarter fiscal year 2020 results. Lastly, the call will finish with a question and answer period for analysts and institutional investors. The press release announcing the company's third quarter fiscal year 2020 results, as well as detailed supplemental investor information, are posted on Vesima's website at www.vesima.com under the investors heading. The highlights provided in this call should be understood in conjunction with the company's unaudited interim condensed consolidated financial statements and accompanying notes for the three and nine months. Ended March 31, 2020. Certain statements in this conference call and webcast may constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of applicable securities laws. All statements other than statements of historical fact are forward-looking statements. These statements include but are not limited to statements regarding management's intentions, belief, or current expectations with respect to market and general economic conditions, future sales, and revenue expectations future costs and operating performance these statements are not guarantees of future performance and involve risks and uncertainties that are difficult to predict and are or and or are beyond our control a number of important factors could cause actual outcomes and results to differ materially from those expressed in these forward-looking statements these factors include, but are not limited to, the current significant general economic uncertainty and credit and financial market volatility, including the impact of COVID-19 and the distinctive characteristics of Vesema's op- operations and industry and customer demand that may have a material impact on or constitute risk factors in respect of Vesemes' future financial performance as set forth under the heading Risk Factors in the company's annual information form, dated September 26, 2019, a copy of which is available at www.cedar.com. In addition, although the forward-looking statements in these earnings calls are based on what management believes are reasonable assumptions, such assumptions may prove to be incorrect. Consequently, attendees should not place undue reliance on such forward looking statements. In addition, these forward looking statements relate to the date on which they are made. Vestimate disclaims any intention or obligation to update or revise any forward looking statements. As a result of new information, future events, or otherwise, except as required by law. At this time, I would like to turn the conference over to Mr. Kumar to proceed with his remarks. Please go ahead.
1: Good morning and welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us. These are extraordinary times. and On behalf of all of us at VESMA, I want to start by thanking the many workers in our communities who are dealing with COVID-19 on the front lines. I also want to thank our own employees for helping to fulfill VESMA's essential role in the telecommunications supply chain through this challenging environment. I'll start today with a look at how our business is responding to the COVID-19 situation and provide an overview of our third quarter results and achievements. Dale will provide a more detailed review of our financial results for the quarter and then I'll return to talk about what we see going forward. VesMA operates in an industry that is essential, relevant and needed today, perhaps more than ever. Our customers, which include cable MSOs, telcos, and broadcasters, provide critical communication services. As a key supplier to these service providers, Vesma is positioned and well-equipped to support these vital businesses with reliable and sophisticated products that require both in normal course and in this period of heightened need for networks that provide information and connectivity. On top of the already increasing demands for broadband internet and IPTV, The recent shelter at home and work from home rules have been driving record levels of utilization across our customers' networks. This in turn is driving increased engagement and demand for our solutions because they help expand the capacity of those networks. Like other businesses, we've adapted the ways in which we operate to ensure we keep employees safe as we meet our customers' needs. Our business has been able to readily accommodate these changes thus far. Most of our product development support can be executed remotely, so more than 80% of our workforce is working from home at any given time. And for the small number of employees who need to come into, come onto our premises, we've implemented comprehensive safety practices and protocols to protect them. In terms of our supply chain, our suppliers are also deemed essential, <coughs> essential and thus far we've been able to continue sourcing the inventories we need. Lead times have stretched out in some cases, but we haven't faced any major hurdles to this point. So, while the uncertainty of the situation is expected to remain the case, we've been largely successful at managing our inputs. The end result is that to date, we've experienced little disruption in our ability to meet customers' needs. We achieved a very strong third quarter, even as the realities of the COVID-19 pandemic were starting to unfold. On the top line, Our sales were up 23.5% year over year to 25.1 million. We also grew adjusted EBITDA to 5.6 million, a significant gain from 0.4 million in the same period last year. And I'm pleased to report earnings per share increased to 3 cents from a loss of 7 cents per share a year ago. Our strong performance was led by our content delivery and storage segment. Sales from that part of our business more than doubled year over year as we responded to strong demand for our MediaScalex solutions from existing customers while winning new customers for IP video networks. I'm pleased to report that we added three new customers in the third quarter, and we've added one more since quarter end. Our MediaScalex products are now in use by an impressive list of cable companies, telcos, and broadcasters worldwide serving over 130 million subscribers and managing a remarkable 30 petabytes of content. This represents an excellent base for the future as many of these customers are just starting their migration to IPTV, and we expect that their needs will grow over time. In the nearer term, we're well on track to deliver 20% or better revenue growth from the content delivery and storage segment in fiscal 2020, as expected. In our video and broadband solutions segment, Sales of our Next Generation ENTRA family of Distributed Access Architecture or DAA products also continued to ramp up in the third quarter. You recall we achieved our first meaningful ENTRA revenues in the second quarter with sales of $1.1 million. We grew that to $1.8 million in the third quarter, led by an uptake of our ENTRA interactive video controller by a Tier 1 and a Tier 2 MSO. We also achieved sales across the broader ENTRA portfolio to a diverse group of MSOs that are moving closer to the DAA transition. So, some very good progress in Q3. And I want to add a bit of color on how our new ENTRA products are performing in the field. During the second quarter, you may recall we sold volume licenses of the ENTRA Remote File Monitor to a Tier 1 MSO. This customer is using our solution as a critical management platform for their DAA network rollout. And ongoing operations. Normally, with the first deployment of a new technology, particularly one as sophisticated as an ENTRA RemoteFi node, we would be working right alongside our customer to provide assistance during bring-up. But in this case, the customer's desire to independently stage the self-sufficient launch in view of the anticipated scale and volume of a YDA rollout led them to put the ENTRA monitor to work and see how seamlessly the node came online. What happened was that our intra work and node worked flawlessly in tandem from day one, and they continue to. That's a remarkable achievement, not only speaking to the robustness of the node, but also for first-of-its-kind management and monitoring tool, and how they together enable DAA deployment at scale. Now, looking at other contributors to our Q3 performance, we saw significant uptake of Terrace QuaM again this quarter as our lead Tier 1 customer continued to expand its hospitality footprint, while preparing for migration to the next-generation Terrace IQ platform. This helped to offset the expected tail-off in demand for some of our other legacy products, most notably the TC600 and somewhat TC600E. In our telematics segment, we continue the fleet-wide rollout with the City of Saskatoon, which includes monitoring about 1,000 municipal vehicles and movable assets. We've now completed about half of that rollout. We also continue to build up the new market for our Nero GPS asset tracking products. I'm pleased to report we added six new customers during the period, including assets and fleet. Overall, it was an excellent quarter for Vesma under any circumstances. And at this point, I'll ask Dale to provide more detail on our results. Dale?
2: Thank you, Sumit. For the purposes of this call, we assume that everyone has seen our third quarter Fiscal 2020 news release and financial statements that are posted on deciMA's website. I will present the relevant numbers in discussions around overall results, market segments, operational expenses and the balance sheet. Please note that the results for the third quarter of Fiscal 2020 includes nine full months of operating results from our acquisition of Content Agent. That business is now part of the content delivery and storage segment. We also adopted IFRS 16 leases on July 1st, 2019. The net impact to the income statement as a result of the adoption of IFRS 16 was insignificant and does not have an impact on cash flows. Starting with consolidated sales for the three months ended March 31, 2020, sales increased 23.5% to 25.1 million from 20.3 million during the same period last year and on par with the 25.1 million last quarter. The increase in sales year over year was due to increased sales from our content delivery and storage segment, partially offset by lower sales in our video and broadband solutions segment. Within the video and broadband solutions segment, we generated sales of 9.6 million This was up 14 percent from 8.4 million in q2 of this year but down 23 percent from the 12.4 million a year ago our new entra daa products contributed sales of 1.8 million compared to just 0.3 million in sales a year ago and 1.1 million in the second quarter of this year led by a tier 1 and a tier 2 mso uptake of our entra ivc products Sales came from a broad range of products across the family portfolio as customers continued moving closer to DAA. Our Terrace QAM products had a small increase this quarter with $3.3 million in sales. That was up 5% quarter over quarter but 125% year over year as our lead customer advances its extensive hospitality services footprint as they prepare to migrate to the next generation Terrace IQ platform. These gains fully offset the slowdown in demand for our other legacy TC600 and TC600E year over year. TC600E did increase 35% quarter over quarter with two top tier one and two customer contributions of MPEG-4 upgraded related purchases. In the content delivery and storage segment, third quarter revenues were a solid $14.2 million, up 119% from the weaker than normal sales of Q3 last year, but 8% lower than the Q2's exceptional sales number, which was our best ever quarter for CDS revenue. The revenue growth was driven by the factors Sumit discussed. Including the growing demand for our IPTV solutions from new and existing customers, and use of our media scale X X products by broadcast, cable, and telecommunications companies worldwide. In our telematics segment, sales in the third quarter were down slightly to 1.3 million, from 1.4 million we achieved both in Q3 a year ago and Q2 of this year. Gross margin for the 3rd quarter was a strong 52%, down from our extraordinary 64% high in Q2 2020, but only down slightly from the 53% in Q3 2019. In the Video and Broadband solutions segment, gross margin decreased to 47% from 50% a year ago and 58% last quarter. The changes reflected the different product mixes in each period with Q2 Fiscal 20 benefiting from a larger proportion of higher margin software sales. Gross margin in the content delivery and storage segment remained at 54% as compared to the same period last year, but down significantly from the exceptional 67% reported in Q2 Fiscal 20 due to the increased percentage of higher margin software sales last quarter. In the telematics segment, gross margin for the quarter was slightly higher at 70%, as compared to 69% in Q3 2019 and 63% in Q2 2020, mostly due to lower product costs in the current period. Turning to the third quarter operating expenses, the notable changes year over year were as follows. R&D expenses increased to 5.7 million, from $4.8 million in Q3 fiscal 2019. This increase is mainly a result of higher amortization of our deferred development costs as our new products become commercially available. Sales and marketing expenses decreased to $3.7 million from $4 million last year, primarily due to lower fine finished goods inventory allowances partially offset by higher staffing costs in the current period and G&A expenses slightly decreased to 4.1 million from 4.2 million in Q3 of last year. The year-over-year decrease reflects reduced staffing costs, partially offset by the addition of content agent expenses. In total, operating expenses increased to 13.5 million from 13 million in the same period last year, primarily reflecting higher operating expenses in the content delivery and storage segment partially offset by a reduction in costs in the video and broadband solutions segment. R&D expense in a period is typically different than the actual expenditure. That's because certain R&D expenditures are deferred until product commercialization. Adjusting for deferrals, amortization of deferred development costs, and income tax credits, actual R&D investment for the quarter decreased to $6.8 million or 27% of sales. That was down from 7.5 million, or 37% of sales in the same period last year. The year-over-year change primarily reflects that we're getting closer to commercial development, deployment with a number of our next-generation products. Turning to our bottom-line results, operating loss decreased to 0.5 million in Q3 Fiscal 20 from 2.3 million in Q3 Fiscal 2019 driven by an increase in contribution from the content delivery and storage segment, partially offset by the decrease in contribution from the video and broadband solutions segment and the year-over-year decrease in contribution from the telematics segment. Adjusted EBITDA increased to 5.6 million from 0.4 million in the prior year quarter, but down from last quarter's strong 7 million. And net income for the quarter increased to 7 million $1.7 0.7 million or 3 cents per share from a loss of 1.5 million or 7 cents per share last year. Overall, it was a very strong quarter both on the top and bottom lines. Turning to our balance sheet, we ended the third quarter with 36.2 million in cash and short-term investments. Working capital was slightly lower at 56.3 million as a, compared to 58.3 million at the end of fiscal 2019. Finally, cash flow from operations for the third quarter decreased to $2.6 million from $8.6 million in the same period last year. This $6 million decrease reflects a $10 million reduction in cash flow from non-cash working capital partially offset by a $4 million improvement in operating cash flow. So just to summarize, a solid quarter even with the uncertainty and challenges due to COVID-19. With a strong balance sheet including cash of $36.2 million and working capital of $56.3 million, Decima is well-positioned for continued growth over the long term. Now back to Sumit.
1: Thank you, Dale. We're very pleased with what we achieved through the first nine, month of f- first nine months of Fiscal 2020, and demand so far in the fourth quarter has remained strong. The industry's overall plan to move to DAA and IPTV, together with the current climate of unprecedented consumer demands on networks, is translating into opportunities for our strategic product offerings. In our video and broadband solutions segment, you're continuing to advance field and lab trials for a portfolio of intra-DAA products with a diverse mix of MSOs. Once again, our list of engagements is broad Adding multiple tiers, multiple geographies, and multiple of our enter products that has been designed to make DAA a reality. We're now seeing conversion amongst these engagements and expect momentum and activity to grow. Given the compelling need of MSOs to expand their network capacity, we've not been surprised to see a number of operators stepping up their investment in CCAP cores in recent months. This is a preliminary step that, in our view, precedes moves to DAA. So we view this as consistent with beginning network evolution to DAA. It's a good thing to see the CCAP core spend materializing today, leaving the door open for distributed access. In our Terrace family of products, we've experienced continued demand for the current generation Terrace QAM and TC600E. We're also continuing to make good progress on Terrace IQ development with our lead customer. With their sights remaining set on long-term migration to the IQ. lockstep with the overall network transition which will ultimately happen to IPTV. Looking at our content delivery and storage segment we continue to see a lot of opportunity ahead in the IPTV market with the industry early in this evolution. As I noted earlier we've already added one new customer in Q4 after the three we added in Q3 and we're on track to achieve our target of 20% plus revenue growth for this segment in fiscal 2020. As we move forward, we'll continue to focus on converting new customers as they transition to IP video. We are an industry leader in this space and we intend to remain so. In our telematics business, we expect consistent incremental growth from the fleet tracking market and we anticipate increasing demand for our newer movable asset tracking services. Overall, we remain very positive about our prospects going forward, but there's no question we're in uncharted territory as far as the broader economy goes. It's not yet clear what the ultimate impacts on demand, supply chains, and our customers' networks will be, so I want to be cautious. We'll continue to monitor the economic and supply situation closely, and we will make adjustments to our business as necessary. I want to point out that we are very solidly positioned to manage through these uncertain times. As Dale noted, we're in a very strong financial position, with over 36 million in cash and working capital of over 56 million. We have the benefit of operating in an industry that provides essential services and with customers whose need for our products is growing. And we have a long track record of being both agile and very practical in how we deal with external economic challenges. I believe we're well equipped to manage the challenges of the COVID-19 business environment in the near term, and I remain confident that Vesma has positioned itself for continued growth over the long term. We have powerful products and a skilled team that are contributing to a more connected world than ever. That concludes our formal comments for today. We'd now be happy to take questions. Operator.
0: Certainly. We will now begin the question and answer session. Analysts and analysts and institutional investors who would like to ask a question, please press star and one on their touch tone phone. You will hear a tone to indicate you're in queue. For participants using a speakerphone, it may be necessary to pick up your handset before pressing any keys. If you wish to remove yourself from the question queue, you may press star and two. There will be a brief moment while we poll for questions. Our first question comes from David Kwan with PI Financial. Please go ahead.
3: Good morning, guys. Good morning, David.
2: Good morning, David
3: good uh good quarter from you guys and I'm happy to hear that I seems like the business is holding in quite well um i guess post q three so uh keep up the good work um, jumping I guess into um some of the product lines yeah in obviously a main focus is, is the lead customer that you guys are referenced expanding their field trial is that the same one um that you talked about nearing commercial deployment
1: yeah they're one of the same, David. Um, you know, we're calling them our our lead tier one DAA customer at this point. So, you know, lots of ongoing activity, expanding field trial activity, etc.
3: And when do you, do you have they given you any kind of timeline as to um, when when they expect to kind of hit more commercial type volumes?
1: Yeah, so they're they're certainly you know investing in a great deal of activity, preparing for that that phase, and and. We, of course, know that uh, they have a very um, fulsome, you know, complete long-term migration plan for DAA. I've, I've, you know, been remiss about talking about pinning down a quarter per se or anything like that. But, uh, you know, we're seeing all the signals and, and meaningful efforts being put in, broadening field activity. They, I mentioned that they um, took some notes in a very important region and, and, and launched them flawlessly. That's broadening to other very important regions. Um, all of those things tell us that uh, this calendar 20 is, is a period where they're they're preparing themselves to move.
3: Sorry, Tim, you said uh, potentially uh, expect it, that uh, could happen later this year, calendar uh, 20. I, I think that's yes, that's the potential we're seeing now. Okay, no, that's that's good color. Um, and can you comment, I guess, on the intra revenue you've generated to date? you know, what the mix has been between hardware versus software and, you know, how we can try to take a look at it for, for any kind of given customer looking to to deploy Entra. Is it more software licenses that you're selling up front with, with the monitor um, uh, or is it kind of a mix? Yeah.
1: So for, for definitely for the monitor in Q2, that was a, um, you know, very heavy software uh, proportion of that sale. We we do have some some appliance servers that are a small percentage of of of, of what of the, of the of the the bill of materials. Um, very small, in fact. So um, you know, the monitor, of course, pure software solution, service assurance, and and DAA tuned and whatnot. That that's a software product and and will be corresponding. Um, third quarter, we said that the the interactive video controller, the IVC, was was a big big part of that with a tier one and a tier two moving on that um you know that is custom hardware, but uh you know it it does command some 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 software like margin profiles to it and we're we're pleased with that so so far, you know we've been in that that uh, higher software proportion segment with the family
3: would it be would software be kind of north of fifty percent of the of the revenue that's been generated so far so let's say over the last year.
1: I think if we take a of your margins over the last uh, several quarters, yeah, you're going to see a software mix that's driving that. So, um,
3: Sorry, should, should we should we expect the software to be higher in, in the coming quarters as guys move closer or move out of um, lab trials into field trials and then field trials into commercial deployment?
1: Yeah, so once we, you know, the volume driver, of course, is the, the remote buy node, and I've tried to highlight that uh, that, you know, is, is a high volume piece of gear that's going to be rolled out out in the infrastructure network, access network at scale. So um, when we look at commercial deployment, yes, there's coverage with, with the software components, the interactive video controller being largely software, the remote file monitor being entirely software. Um, you know, those will those will cover, uh, you know, given operators network, and they may do that leading up to the, to the node scale ramp up. Um and then we're you know back to the node environment where i've where I've articulated that the you know, margin profile is more more oriented towards decimal' historical type of business
3: so it sounds like i guess until we we see at least uh, that that lead customer start to ramp up with with the node uh purchases it's likely to be more software driven type sales
1: I would say so and and you know there's there's hardware that's, that's lower volume um but uh, carries software-type margins, um, you know, because it's it's leveraging some hardware, but it's a largely a software product. All of the, um, I would say, the LQA, the VQM, um, the Remote File Monitor, and the IVC are, are fall into that camp of, of software-type business.
3: No, that's helpful. Okay, thanks. Thanks, Um, And just um, curious to get your thoughts, at least one of your competitors, um was kind of talking about customers pushing out DAA and virtualization projects um in, in favor of adding capacity that they head headed, which obviously makes sense in this environment in terms of at least in terms of adding capacity to to kind of a band-aid solution to address the bandwidth, the constraints that they're seeing on their networks. Um you know, obviously I think a little bit self-serving given at least one of those vendors also sells CCAP cores. But curious to get your thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I mean I I can see that point and I, I think, you know, in conversations since since COVID emerged I've I've um articulated that as well and, and, and even in today's prepared remarks I've, I've said that we're not at all surprised about core activity happening now, um using the the, the band aid in, in your words and, 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 and that, you know, is some activity that's needed to proceed um DAA to get those cores licensed up. So, you know, I think that's that's a uh a positive uh, movement for for the operator uh, vendor you're you're talking about, and, and certainly they're um, in a good spot to take advantage of that that movement. Um, that's driven by this kind of pop in demand we've seen for for broadband networks, and for us that translates into you know um, some sense preparing the network um, and moving to the to the, the long game of DAA.
3: Have you have you seen any of your customers? Those say, you know, we're, we're we're pushing out our our DA plans because, you know, we we think at least for now we should be okay. Just, you know, adding adding more capacity at the head end. You know, across the the wider industry of overall customers,
1: many of them are different stages of their network capacity requirements. Whether they have, you know, one point two gigahertz type plans, how much video they're carrying, legacy video, um, all of these factors um but uh you know for for our part in the da engagements that were you know first in first out that are we're working on our on our engagement list we haven't seen um a lot of suggestions that uh you know there's a there's a deferral situation that, that's being caused
3: by this that, that's helpful um just a few more questions um on, on the content delivery and storage side um You know, I guess based on what you've talked about kind of post Q3 here um, about demand uh, being quite strong, I guess it'd be fair to assume that you aren't really seeing any material weakness in that business. You know, we've seen some lumpy quarters in the past, um, but it sounds like that's not necessarily the case, at least to date
1: yeah I think, and I've talked about you know the the different nature of that business with the the project oriented purchases you know type of sales cycles that can happen that being kind of more naturally lumpy volatile if you will um but you know we've been adding customers um regularly and and you know the the situation we find ourselves in in, in any given quarter is that our pipeline encompasses many opportunities for for projects to ebb and flow in and out. So you know that that still lends yourself to some more you know incremental risk on on lumpiness, but we are able to um, take the overall pipeline, which has been growing with new customer IPTV wins, um, and manage that on a quarterly basis. So you know ongoing strength driven by new wins of IPTV deployments and new and existing customers that gives us a lot of flexibility.
3: No, that's helpful. I know, like I think some of the the uh, the cable MSOs. Or at least some of the vendors that sell into them have kind of talked about things slowing down, I guess, towards the end of uh, your Q3 and into early Q4. Um, mm-hmm. Albeit, you know, when when things did resume, there was, you know, guys had to maintain physical distancing and whatnot, so somewhat impacting it. But it seemed like activity kind of picked up as normal. So I was just curious to see if that was consistent with what you guys were seeing. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess, I guess, in that context, then, you know, kind of talking about 20% at least growth for this year, given where we are three quarters in, which is almost at where you were for all of last year. Um, I guess, is it fair to assume that we should probably see reasonably stronger growth than that 20% that you guys are tar- talking about?
1: Yeah, and I, you know, I've I've tried to highlight that. Uh, you know, that we talked just now about, about some of the lumpiness, but we've got the opportunity to, to be very good at managing that. Supply risk has been minimal at this point. Lead times have, have, have moved a little bit, but it's, um, well in line with, with what we want to see out of the cot servers and whatnot that we need. Um, you know, but keeping some of that stuff in mind for the fourth quarter that uh, clearly, you know, with the nine months, you can see that we're we're feeling very bullish about uh, beating the 20% growth and our setup
3: to exceed that. Perfect. And then just quickly on the, on the Terrace IQ uh, line, um, can you comment on how, I guess, things have progressed with that lead MSO customer more name, more specifically, I guess, how you, when you could start to see material um, orders coming in?
1: Yeah, so I think Terrace IQ and with the lead especially, and as you've seen, Terrace Quam has kind of come back into the fold very nicely in, in Q2 and Q3, 3.3 3. 3 million in Q3. Um, and and the the reason for that is the hospitality playbook or blueprint of that that lead MSO that tier one um, is entirely based around the Terrace qualm portfolio or platform, um, and they had you know in, some time ago. Transition from a from an all up you know penetration point of view in the in the in the market to a network fill in run rate and that's been ongoing throughout this period. But that 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 tail off caught them with a with some inventory some years ago. Um, we've also done some MPEG4 related transcoding work with them on on all the existing platforms. Um, but in Q2 and Q3 we started to, to see that uh, that start to um, resolve itself in the, on the inventory side and we we got a re up on on equipping themselves for the run rate hospitality um, you know blueprint type of deployments they're getting a network fill in so that that's been an ongoing story and continues to be um, Iq is is taking along its plan of record um both in our case and for the for the for the lead uh, but you know they 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 have the platform they deploy today with terrace Quang. so you know we're able to attach to whatever the timing is for that that kind of upstream network from us to transition to IPTV, and that's a, a long-term story for that operator. Um, so we're being you know very agile with that, and, and both platforms are are set up to to put us in a good spot, and that's all tying to uh, you know very consistent outward deployment from the MSO.
3: Okay, that's per- perfect. Uh, and then just interest from other uh, other customers. I know you I think previously indicated one tier one was doing some valuation work and, and the other major one, I think that that's a customer of yours wasn't, um, wasn't paying too much attention, I guess. Any update on, on either of those two?
1: Um, you know, nothing new there so far to talk about David, but, uh, you know, it remains the case that, uh, one of those other tier ones besides the lead is, is definitely in our, in our sites for, for IQ. Um, when, when we're up and running there on the product, and, and the other one, you know, over time, I think there's there's this this consensus with our customers. Of course, we're the the leader for cable hospitality platforms. That as their networks themselves migrate to IP, um, IQ is 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 the right answer for that solution. I would say that second tier one, um, given the timing of their transition to IPTV for the larger network, um, is less focused now.
3: Um,
1: so that's the, or I should call them the third to to be more accurate. The second one, of course, is the one that uh, we see is adding to the lead um, relatively soon. That's great. Thanks, guys. Thanks, David.
2: Thanks, David.
4: Our
0: next question comes from Old Prago, a private investor. Please go ahead.
4: Good morning, uh, uh Great quarter. Thanks, Ollie. So Thanks, Ole. I'd I like to know, is the move to premium video on demand that has been in public recently an added ben- potential benefit to Vesmer? And So how would that work? Also, the way increasing webinar with the Zoom and an augmented reality gaining tracks in this new environment. Uh yeah. Mm-hmm. Would that also benefit Vesema in a big way?
1: Okay, I'll start with the second part in terms of augmented reality and whatnot. I think, you know, I haven't tracked that, that directly, but what I'd say is overall, you know, what what we're encountering now is, of course, people are leveraging, you know, networks um, for, for their day-to-day lives more than ever, and, and that that all that activity will accrue to, to our customers needing to provide more capacity. Um, and we talked about, you know, that, some of the core vendors are are, are are filling that capacity now, and DAA will fill that capacity going forward. So we have this overriding long-term trend of movement to to gigabit networks using distributed access, um, and we're hastening that and catalyzing it with what we're seeing today between you know telecommuting and telehealth and e-learning, augmented reality, all of the above. So um, you know that's how we view that. Uh, in terms of you know streaming, of course you know very high increases in, in you know sustained peak loads our customers you know tend to design their networks for for um, 80% run rate capacity meaning that uh, they operate it at an average at, uh, to, to peak out at 80% of, of the capacity that they've got for hardware and software um, when you see you can imagine when you see these peaks of sustained um, media consumption that are greater than 50% that that would motivate them to have to increase that peak capacity. Um, so so that type of effect is, is a factor right now that um, leading to you know the again an overall migration to IPTV that's happening amongst cable operators and broadcasters alike, um, but
4: being hastened by by what we're seeing today. So so in this. In this that particular space, you know, with the need for increased bandwidth, et cetera, et cetera, who Mm -hmm. is your biggest competitor? Mm -hmm.
1: So you know, we we talked about uh, again some of the core vendors. So I've I've kind of listed off some of the vendors that are in in the Doxus arena. um, That being, you know, ComScope, Cisco, uh, Harmonic, uh, CASA, et cetera. and and then in the in the media streaming there's uh, Velocix and MediaKind um, and Cinemedia and other players like that. So you know there are a set of I would say a handful of key competitors in both spaces.
4: So is there a risk here that that somebody is simply going to uh, buy out Vesma?
1: Well, you know I think we're 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 focused on our own efforts. Yes, uh, and I understand. All the work that's, that's that's working well for us and very excited about, you know, the the story we see coming together here and uh I think for any public company, you know, there's there's um always people um taking paying attention.
4: Well, do you feel that that what you have achieved in the last few years uh, could be Getting close to the gold standard in that space.
1: Um, you know, we have a lot of work ahead of us. I, I feel like uh, you know our CDS segment is, is definitely market leading, definitely winning customers, and, and you know we're 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 firmly on the being a leader position there. Um, you know, DAA is still out ahead of us with Entra, and and I feel very great about our, our our setup and and our product portfolio, and I think. Uh, time will tell where we land in terms of in terms of market share.
4: Okay. Well, great and good luck. Thank you. Ollie. Thank you, Oli.
0: Once again, if you have a question, please press star then one. There are no more questions at this time.